Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 175, I'm joined by Alex Higgum, founder of Exhale. In his 20s, Alex was super fit, but he wasn't necessarily healthy. He developed an autoimmune condition, which focused his mind on his health and his well-being. As he was making adjustments to improving his lifestyle, he came across this idea that coffee can be healthy. He's since then been mastering the art of roasting and brewing his own coffees, and in 2020, launched his company, Exhale. Alex and his team combine their passion and skills to bring us the healthiest coffee imaginable, sourced responsibly with a true love for the craft. I came across Exhale and the great work that Alex and his team are doing uh, through Tim Gray on episode 165. And later this month on the 28th of May, Tim will be hosting the Health Optimization Summit in London and Exhale and the team will be present. So if you're going to that event on the 28th and 29th of May in London, do let me know, send me a message and I'd love to connect with you there. But here we go with Alex Higgum, founder of Exhale on episode 175. Let's learn about ridiculously healthy coffee. Alex, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. How you doing? I'm very good, mate. I'm very good. Um, I understand that you were an accountant for fifty years, uh, fifteen <laughs> years. Is it fair to say you've had your fair amount of coffee? <laughs> it's weirdly, when I was an accountant, I wasn't massively into coffee, which was probably why I was never that good at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. Um, yeah, I, I drink a hell of a lot of coffee. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I do now more and more now. Me too. And I, you know, I remember the first ever time I got into coffee, I was uh, working at the police in the call center. I was taking 999 calls. And I, would, I remember like I was, it was like really milky, really sugary. Like I just got into it for the purposes of like getting through the night shift. But the, the more I've got into my coffee, the more of a coffee snob I've become. Yeah, I think so. I think for me, it was actually having kids that made me become like <laughs> semi-obsessed uh, yeah. and definitely reliant on coffee. Because without without coffee, I feel like I'd literally be half the dad I am. Like <laughs> I'd be a terrible parent. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few kind of health conscious people that listen to this podcast and you know, I think somehow, somewhere there's this message that uh, coffee's not good for us. So I'm really excited to hear about you, your business. Um, but before we get to the kind of the punchline around ridiculously healthy coffee, yep. talk, talk to us about this business that's emerged through uh, 2020 lockdowns. Yeah, so basically, it kind of all started around the ideas my my journey into coffee started around six years ago so as you say I was an accountant for about 15 years it was massively the wrong career for me like I was so unfulfilled deeply unfulfilled as an accountant it's the, it's the wrong thing for me personally and then around six years ago I started getting a whole load of weird and wonderful health issues I had all sorts of different debilitating symptoms that meant I was having a lot of time off work 
I was I had a baby around the same time and I just had no energy for it, like deep fatigue. Um, and then it turns out that I was developing an autoimmune condition. I didn't realize it back then. Um, and I was in and out of every hospital across London. I wasn't getting anywhere with anybody. So it, then it was around three years ago that I started trying to take control of things myself a little bit and obsessively researching the science and diving into PubMed every day and reading more and more to try and kind of like take control of my own health, basically. And then as I was doing that, I was drinking more and more coffee and I was realizing that actually through harnessing <laughs> the power of coffee, <laughs> to, to without using the too cheesy a phrase, I, I was... I was becoming a better employee. I was able to parent better. I was also getting really into endurance sports and I was using coffee more to kind of fuel all the training and everything. And I was like, wow, this is quite powerful. And then it was through reading all the research about my own health that I learned as well that coffee could potentially be really healthy and support my longevity as well as sparking that daily transformation in my life. So I was like, well, this is quite interesting. So that's where the idea for Excel came along. And I was like, well, what if I could find a really healthy, optimized version of this, which, which kind of does it all. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so it took a couple of years then of, of more research before finally plucking up the courage to quit work and launch Excel in lockdown 2020. Love that. How have you been? Two years ago, it's coming up to what, just over two years since uh, Boris shut us down for the first time. Try and take us through some of that whirlwind of <laughs> So, yeah, so I actually quit work in February 2020. Same? Yeah. Three, yeah, so three weeks before lockdown number one happened. So I'd spent a couple of years plucking up the courage to do this, yeah. quit work, had the courage to quit work. I had plans to move into a warehouse in Seven Sisters, open a roastery there. Then I quit work, and then within three weeks, lockdown one happened. The warehouse move got pushed back, pushed back. And then fell through eventually. And then in the meantime, we'd had custom built a 25 grand roast, the coffee roaster in Germany that was delivered that we had to take delivery off that then sat in my shed for a year and a half gathering dust while we tried to find somewhere else to roast, couldn't. And it was just like, a, it was a real brutal kind of eight or nine months before finally pivoting the business, roasting in someone else's roastery and then launching in like October time. So yeah, that first lockdown was a pretty tough year. Just really bad timing for, for every, everybody, really, you know. But. Hey, my friends, just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to the show so far. I hope it is serving you well. And I wanted to let you know that on the 25th of June, we will be holding a five-year celebration based at the home of our podcast, Elevate Online Marketing Offices in Trowbridge. Our community turns five this summer and I really want to bring great people like you together. We have three guest speakers lined up. We will be joined by the YouTube sensations that are Evolution of Dave and Esther McCann. And we'll also be joined by our great friend and TEDx speaker, Tommy Gentleman. It's going to be a great celebration. We'll have welcome drinks provided by Elevate Online Marketing. We're going to have some great food provided by Valicious. And we have a band performing live for the very first time. There's a special connection with the band. All will be revealed soon. But for now, please head to the show notes, get your tickets. And I really look forward to celebrating with you on the 25th of June. Let's get back 
to the interview. I, I really buy into the idea that you talk about, um, you know, one of the pillars you talk about is coffee for performance. And I really understand that coffee can get us in the right mind. It can get us to alert and awake and focused. I really understand that. But I've never really understood the fact that coffee from its health benefits. And I'd, I'd mm-hmm. love for you to kind of maybe crack some myths around coffee and its health. Like what is you know, some of the core fundamentals that uh, makes your coffee ridiculously healthy? So <clears throat> coffee had, so the, the, the biggest challenge for us is turning, the, or the biggest opportunity in some ways, is changing the opinion on coffee from people thinking it's a guilty treat that they need to cut back on. Like everyone think, everyone says that. Um, and actually the science traditionally 50 years ago was, uh, you know, was against coffee. Which is why it got the bad rep, but it's because these early studies into coffee didn't adjust for any confounding variables, as they call it, like health and user bias. If you're if you if you smoke or drink alcohol, have a poor lifestyle, you're more likely to drink coffee, and they just lumped all of these behaviours together. Then in the last ten to fifteen years, they started getting a bit smarter about this, and the studies really isolated the effects of coffee on its own. And then it was around 2016 that the, it was in 2016, the World Health Organization reversed their previous stance on coffee that it was a possible carcinogen to say it could actually help reduce the risk of five types of cancer. And that was kind of the turning point that that the world kind of stood up and, and thought, oh, actually, if the World Health Organization is getting behind coffee, then maybe there's there's more to it. And then in 2017, British Medical Journal published this umbrella review on coffee, which looked at 218 meta-analyses of of research, covered pretty much all the research up until that point. And they concluded that coffee was good for just about anything, as long as you're not pregnant, in their words, Um, and associated with drinking coffee with a reduced risk of all sorts of um, some of the world's biggest diseases and, and on a significant like some significant numbers, you know, some real big reductions in risk. Um, and then they're kind of like the, the kind of the holy grail of, of that study was the um, all-cause mortality, they call it, which is the, the sum of probability of death from any cause. And they, they concluded that coffee drinkers had a 17% reduced risk of death from any disease. Um, and that was decaf and regular uh, coffee drinkers. So, so it kind of, that's the turning point for me that I realized actually coffee can be and is really healthy. Scientists are there, but the general public just is a little, a little behind the science. And, um, you know, I'd love to know kind of what the difference is between the generic supermarket instant um, coffee compared to um, the specific beans that, that you're, you're seeking out. Yeah, so... There is a huge variety of, so there's, let's start with what's causing the health benefits. So there's a handful of compounds in coffees, which these studies point towards as being uh, the ones most likely to cause the health benefits. So the polyphenols in particular in coffee, and there's a group of those called the chlorogenic acids. So they're the ones most often cited. There's a whole load of others around like diterpenes, melanoidins and things. And those healthy compounds in coffee are massively affected by every stage of the process from the farm and how it's grown and the growing conditions of plantation 
So then how it's roasted has a huge impact and then how you brew it has a huge impact. So each one of those three broad stages impacts it. And each one of those stages magnifies the differences from the stage before. To the point where there was a study, a 2014 study, which tested 104 espressos bought at cafes in Scotland, Italy, and Spain, and found a 31-fold difference between the highest and lowest concentration mm. of um, polyphenols. So such a huge variety in the final cup you're drinking, so you really don't know what you're drinking. So we went through this whole process in 2020 of testing coffees from 45 different plantations across the globe. We would literally have taken a coffee from anywhere. We lab tested, we taste tested and then lab tested those coffees. Chose our, our favorite ones, both on taste and on the, the lab test. And then we went to the roastery and roasted that multiple different ways to find the best way of roasting that coffee, to lock in as much of this goodness as possible. And then we brewed it and finally tested that from our thing. So there's a nine different lab tests we ran on the coffee before finally coming up with this one, which was so much higher than uh, than any of the others tested, basically. I can give you some numbers on that. But, I love yeah. that. Thanks for sharing that. Do you do you find that you know, much of life, whatever is nice, like you know, Krispy Kreme, really nice and tasty, <laughs> but not good for us? Do you, do you find that... Um, taste and pleasure has a trade-off for health is there an intersection like how do you how do you find the sweet spot well exactly it, that so much of our process was designed towards finding the sweet spot and at every stage it was like even at the roast for example the roasting stage we roasted it loads of different ways and tasted them first and if it didn't taste good enough we just excluded it mm. and then we only test lab tested the ones that tasted good enough mm. same with every stage so we kind of, in some ways, you could say prioritize taste because if it doesn't taste good enough that people want to drink this every day of their life for, for the rest of their life, and when I say everybody, I mean me, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. because I have to drink this every day. So if it doesn't taste good enough that I will drink it every day for years to come, then what's the point in having a healthy product, you know, if no one's going to want to drink it? So ultimately, people will choose something or not choose something based on taste. And then it's it's about working within the constraints that that taste profile allows you, I think. Mm. And it's high in <laughs> antioxidants? It's very high in antioxidants, yeah. So that was our final test, my favourite of all of our tests. And we'd, we'd basically done all of these other eight tests up to that point and had statistics around chlorogenic acid and, and polyphenols and melanoidins and all these words that mean nothing to 99% of the population. <laughs> and then... I spoke to a friend who was like a marketing genius and he was like, look, this is all meaningless. You need some tangible, tangible comparison that people can kind of hold on to and visualize in their minds. So we dreamt up the antioxidant test and we basically sent a bag of our coffee, a cafetiere, a hand grinder uh, and some brewing instructions down to a lab in Plymouth. We found we found a lady called Dr. Jan who invented this antioxidant test. She's like an uber scientist. Sent all of this down there with brewing instructions and she brewed a cup of our coffee to our instructions. And she also went to a local supermarket and bought a bag of blueberries, kale and oranges. Mm -hmm. And she tested our coffee and found one brewed cup has the same antioxidants as 12 points of blueberries, 55 oranges or 1.2 kilos of kale. 
Um, and she gave us this full 15 page independent lab report. It's published on our website for everyone to read. And, and that's the kind of that, that tangible comparator that um, we like to share with people. That's you talked earlier about having coffee from three different locations and the, the very you're, you're a well traveled man. You've traveled. Is there is there cultural differences in the way people drink? I know Europeans have, you know, a lot of espresso, you know, type ways that they can. Is there a better way? Is there a, is there a perfect coffee as such? Are you still in pursuit of that perfect coffee? Uh, there's there's huge so huge cultural differences between the way people drink coffee all over the globe, and that's part of the fun of traveling now for me is just seeing all the different crazy brewing methods that people use, and like in Ethiopia is kind of there's this big ceramic pot that's used and it's quite a traditional thing is to roast the coffee beans in front of someone in a cafe and then they'll brew it over a, a fire in this ceramic pot and then you, you drink it kind of really freshly roasted and there's so many quirks of, of brewing methods like that and and that's yeah that's the fun that's the fun side of coffee it's just the the amazing different ways and at home i've probably got about 20 or 30 different brewing methods you know um but in terms of the best way of brewing, I'd say, again, it goes back to the whole, so the, the, the taste side is, is part of this, but also it's kind of like whatever you enjoy the most, really. And people kind of get so kind of dogmatic about having to recommend one particular like milk over another or one brewing method over another. But I'm like, what, whichever you find the tastiest, whichever you enjoy the ritual of the most, that will give bring the most happiness into your life then just go with that i'd say that's my mm -hmm. official stance on this how do you take yours um so first thing in the morning i'll have a double espresso and that signifies me to um to start the day and, and go after it and that kind of espresso i think is quite a nice way to do that and then uh, mostly through the day i'll drink cafetiers or occasionally have a, an aeropress as well so yeah it's just pretty simple standard things to be honest even though i've got all these Turkish e-bricks and all these different things at home. They're just yep. classic cafetiers. It's great for me. Love that. How do you account for some of the traditional symptoms around headaches, heart palpitations, sleep issues? Like as a man who drinks yeah. a lot of coffee, how do you how do you account for some of those <laughs> things? So you've got to, so all of this, like we're recommending, we're, we're telling people coffee can be really healthy for you. Um but at the end of the day, even our coffee, as a, a ridiculously healthy coffee, as we're now calling it, um, still is coffee and it still has caffeine and you'll still react to that caffeine in the same way you would any other. Well, there's some differences. Um, but yeah, but basically you, most people know whether you can drink coffee in the afternoon or not. And, and it's that most people can drink it in the morning and are fine. So I, I'm personally a slow caffeine metabolizer. So your genes dictate whether you're a fast or a slow metabolizer. There's a couple of different genes which dictate for it. Mm. I'm a slow metabolizer, which means that if I drink coffee in the afternoon, I'll be up all night, I can't sleep. So, so in the afternoon, I switch to a decaf. But in the morning, because I'm a slow metabolizer, I can fill my boots and drink as much as I want, and I'm totally fine. Um, whereas someone who's a fast metabolizer can drink later in the day, it, they'll metabolize it faster they'll sleep better if they drink it later in the day but if they drink a couple of cups back to back they'll have a much more intense hit from the caffeine and that's where you might get the anxiousness or jitteriness from the caffeine you know so 
So it all depends on your genes and, and most people by our age know how you're kind of going to react to a cup of coffee. So yeah, use your, use, use your common sense thing. Oh, absolutely. Adults. Right. And, um, yeah. and, you know, going to my community in preparation for this interview, a couple of those, those health conscious people were like, Oh, well, I have heard about this decaffeination process where they use acids and stuff like that. I, like, I didn't know that. I'll, I'll ask. So talk to me about yeah. your process of, of decaffeination. Yeah. So some of the most traditional methods use some pretty nasty chemicals. I think methylene chloride maybe is the name. And some of them are precursors to formaldehyde and they're kind of, they have some pretty nasty connotations. Mm. More recently, the Swiss water decaf method has, has become fairly popular. Um, but our coffee uses a, a really even more newer method uh, called the mountain water process. And it uses nothing but the purest spring water from the highest mountain in Mexico, the Pico de Orizaba, nothing else to gently remove 99.9% .9 of caffeine from the coffee and leaves all of the healthy polyphenols and all the nice, wonderful compounds in place. So it's yeah, just really, really pure way of decaffeinating the coffee. So. Touche, love that. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you've gone from coffee from a health perspective, a performance perspective, you know, and I, I know you've got a heart for really positively, you know, leaving the world of coffee in a better place and you found it. And um, that includes the environment, that includes the farmer, like you, you're taking on a big mission here. I'd love to hear kind of <laughs> a bit more your perspective behind that. It's a, it is a real big mission and it is so hard to juggle all of these different hats while at the same time trying to somehow figure out how to do all of this and make a profit. <laughs> because, <laughs> because doing nine different lab tests on the coffee is pretty expensive to begin with. And then also becoming a B Corp um, and also using fully plastic-free packaging that's compostable and also paying a fair price to the farmer and, and all of these different things that I'm, I'm, I'm forcing the business to do doesn't leave much for a profit at the end of it so that's it's just really hard to juggle all of those things um and i guess i guess that's probably what's driving me to in some ways kill myself for the business because i so passionately believe that there is a way of having a business that can kind of does it all it isn't it is really healthy, it's really good for you and really healthy for you, but at the same time, isn't at the, the sacrifice of the environment or the planet or for other people who are on the planet or in the business, you know? And I feel like somebody has to take on the challenge and prove that it's doable and possible. So I'm the kind of the sacrificial lamb um, to try and prove that it is possible. That's how I'm, I'm, I'm feeling at the minute. <laughs> I interviewed a guy last year called Pedro Andrade. He did a Hulu series of the Amazon and he kind of revealed some things about like the traditional avocado farmers and how these big corporations just pay them pittance for like their life's work. And did I, am I right in thinking that I've seen on your website that you pay well over the odds to these farmers? Yeah, exactly. So there's, so coffee's a, commodity product it's traded and uh, it's traded on the stock exchange it's one of the biggest traded commodities on the stock exchange and as a result of that the, the price that's paid to the farmer is often dictated by things that are out of their control 
So it's dictated by um, the, the stock exchange in, in some ways. Um, so then you have the fair, have fair trade, which uh, is a great model for guarantee a minimum amount is paid to the farmer. So it's good for real kind of commodity level coffee. And it kind of sets a price that give or take a dollar a pound of coffee is paid to the farmer. But then we go beyond that. We only buy speciality grade coffee, which um, is a much higher price. It's often kind of five to 10 times the fair trade price even. And I think our coffee is yet yeah, somewhere in that region. Um, I think it's more like three or four times the price, but it's basically the, the it ensures and guarantees that the farmers are paid a, a much higher price than the commodity price or even the fair trade price. Mm, I love that. I love the 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 values base with which you bring to your organization. And how have you found building a community around this idea of uh, XL Coffee? Um, I find I found that people have been very very receptive to the idea, and people are really keen to get behind it and really warming to the idea really loving the idea I find building that community and kind of garnering everybody's positivity and enthusiasm is really tough because I'm um, I'm personally terrible at building a, a, a team and I'm terrible at managing people and I'm terrible at getting enough support to be able to kind of you know develop all of these wonderful things that are happening and all that and so many people are keen to get involved and we, since day one i've had so many people contacting us saying can we be an ambassador i love the brand can we do this and that and it's just finding the time to kind of to build that community is so hard and it's just yeah and especially going back to what i said before when uh, trying to find profits in the business is tough so it's kind of trying to find money to hire people is tough so it just means that i yeah i'm working kind of yeah, maybe five jobs in one and uh but yeah it's it's just yeah the time thing time time is a, a tough one yeah i'd love to know more about you as a human and um it's uh it's really interesting because i i heard your um podcast with uh, the good doctor um and uh you know some of the things that you do in your personal life and the, the training and the ultra marathons and you know, being a dad, like it's, it sounds like you don't do things by half. Is that right? Is that better to say? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's really hard to juggle everything. I am. Um, yeah. I've actually, I've got a, 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 yeah. an aura ring here, aura ring. Um, yeah. which I haven't mentioned before. I am. Um, I did an Ironman in 2019 and uh, I, I pushed myself so hard during it and, and kind of, I think it really exacerbated a lot of my health symptoms at the time. And I bought myself an aura ring and I was like, right, I'll promise, I made a promise to myself that I, would, I wouldn't do that again. And I'd kind of look after my health and sleep, mm. prioritize myself a little bit more. And then launching the business a year and a half ago, all of that's gone out the window. And I have to say, I wear this aura ring, but I haven't charged it up in over a year now because the information it was giving me, was just another thing to stress me out. Another thing to feel kind of, yeah, yes. you know, uh, you're not them. sleeping enough I know give me a tangible way to fix it <laughs> yeah, the level of cognitive dissonance that that will bring <laughs> yeah no hopefully I'll get things back on track soon um but yeah and then hopefully I'll start 
charging my aura ring. Hopefully, I'll be able to find the charger for one. <laughs> I um I left the police in uh, February two thousand and twenty. Um, February the fourteenth, Valentine's Day, and I remember day day one of lockdown. I think it was twenty third of March, wasn't it? I remember sitting in this office going. That was the shortest coaching career anybody's ever had. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I remember yeah. kind of just sitting there, oh shit. Um, and I guess, you know, here we are two years later. What kind of, what would you say back to yourself, you know, as Boris locks us down? What kind of like words of wisdom would you share with that version of you? <laughs> God. Um... God, I just have no idea now. I just have no idea what to say to myself. I mean, brace yourself for the worst. <laughs> just brace yourself for, enjoy. I'd say the first kind of, the first four or five months of lockdown, as as tough as the kind of I thought they, they were at the time, it was still quite a nice period because I didn't, I hadn't launched the business yet. And I think in the, the, the days before launching a business, I think that's the almost one of the most exciting times because you're full of excitement of what's to come and you're kind of this, there's so much kind of new that you're learning and it's just all really exciting and you're like, there's so many possibilities. And then when you launch the business, all of a sudden, now my day-to-day -day life is just firefighting um, why has the website gone down? Why can't we take subscription orders? Why isn't this working? Why is that button changed color and can't see it anymore? Why is that overlap? It's just kind of firefighting and dealing with problems all day. But until you've launched the business, it's just, it doesn't exist. So I'd probably say, enjoy that, that glory time in between quitting work and, and pre before launching the business, because it's quite a special period, I think. Mm, how old are your kids? uh four and seven now. not quite coffee drinking age then <laughs> tell you what they literally love coffee they so they if we turn our backs they'd be drinking our coffee so we try and steer them away from the regular coffee um they'll occasionally have like a sip or two of a decaf and they love eating coffee beans like yeah yeah when we launched this business, we had about 150 kilos of coffee going through our kitchen a week because we had people like bagging it up and packing. And we had up to like eight proper classic start, start up in lockdown kind of thing. We had up to eight people working in our house at any one time, just yeah. getting all this coffee out. The Royal Mail got to the point where they, they refused to let us go to the, we used to go to the post office every day, dropping off these big mail sacks. But they were like, we were taking like 15 a day around and they were like, you can't bring it here. It's health and safety risk having all these sacks lying around. So they'd come to our house and collect all these sacks of us. And it was just madness. And there's so many beans around that the kids just developed this penchant for eating coffee beans. And every time you turn around, they're just munching on coffee beans. It's so funny. <laughs> I love that. My daughter, she loves just to have a good sniff. You know, if you just squeeze, squeeze a bag of beans, like you just get that, like, yeah, she absolutely... Uh, She's she loves it. I dare give her any though, because I, I already know what her energy's like already. <laughs> this is the problem. This is the problem. Yeah, they definitely don't need coffee at that age. <laughs> I love that. What's the uh what's the so you, you've gone through the the kind of like I guess the warp speed two years of like flying by the seat of your pants. How how are things progressing over the next uh six, nine, twelve months for you as the way you see it? I'd love, there's been, I've done a lot of groundwork 
and there's loads of different ideas and things that are just floating around and I'd love to just start putting a bit of a, a cohesive strategy behind it all and piecing together all of these things and we kind of in, in some ways have built this outdoorsy active brand which kind of has a team of um, uh, ambassadors who are base jumping and snowboarders all this kind of stuff but then at the same time we have all the lab tested and all the, the like mycotoxin free coffee and all of this educational piece to pull out. And I just need to somehow package it all up to all work cohesively together. Otherwise we're kind of doing a bit of everything and, and, and without the time to do any of it that as well as we could or should be doing. So it's just gluing everything together into one big, nice package, I think is a priority for the next six months to a year. Mm. Do you, um, do you think you'll keep it kind of simple core coffee products or do you think you'll start to uh, get all fancy and uh, different bands and mockers and who knows? <laughs> no, I think simple coffee. I think um, we, we've kind of literally kept it. <clears throat> so I'd say one of the, one of the best, to answer a slightly different question, one of the best books that I've ever read for someone launching a business like ours and it was recommended by the founder of Huel, Julian, uh, um, is a book called The 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. Mm -hmm. And the number one law is the law of line extension. And, he, and it says, don't overcomplicate your business by adding too many different new products and things. And, and it's something that Huel has been so successful mm. with literally one or two products. And it's only recently they've started adding more. So I see our business being very similar and just pushing out these products as far as we can. And then maybe in two or three, four years time, we'll have more products. But at the minute, it's focused on our core and just nail it with those, I think. Love that. I'm grateful for your time. I love what you represent in the world. Uh, I've enjoyed my uh, my first batch of coffee. My wife and I are really enjoying sitting down and having some exhale coffee. So thank you for that, my friend. Um, where can people connect with you and your and your community? Yeah, so we obviously have our website, which is uh, exhalecoffee.com, but our Instagram is where we're kind of most active and where you'll get a real flavour of the, the heart and soul of the business. And you'll see stories of me and my wife, just uh, who, my wife, who's co-founder, um, just getting up to our, our behind the scenes kind of day-to-day -day business in the business. So, uh, so yeah, check us out on Instagram, at your exhale is the Instagram. I'll share all the good links in the show notes. Just again, thank you so much for your time and uh, be honoured if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self. Final thought, I'd say as, as brutal as I probably made launching your own business sound, I feel like everybody should do it in their life and everyone has to try this because until, until you do, I feel like, I feel like other than kind of like your kids, maybe, and uh, and wife or, or husband, it's kind of, it's you'll never feel that passionately about anything in life. Mm. And I feel like every fiber of my entire existence is behind pushing this business to try and make it a success and trying to make it work. And nothing, I feel like nothing else has that kind of effect in you. So yeah, everyone should try launching their own business just to, to know what it feels like to be in that um in that that phase of their life that my mindset mm. i guess the golden question is do you now outsource your accountancy or do you do it yourself <laughs> that do, was you a do you truly have love for excel spreadsheets or was it just uh 
<laughs> the accounting is the first thing I outsource. The first thing, even I still do secretly love Excel spreadsheets. And yesterday yeah. <laughs> I spent a few hours redesigning our fulfillment spreadsheet, and I do find like a comfort in that because I know that yeah. I am like an Excel expert and I know Excel really well. And then anything else in the business, I'm like having to make a thousand decisions a day and, and ultimately i don't know what's the right or wrong decision to make in these things mm. but when it comes to excel for that <laughs> yeah, exactly but when it comes to excel i know how to do excel so there's a nice comfort in excel at least <laughs> love that brother appreciate you take care my friend yeah cheers have a good one Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you. Keep leading, my friends. Always love.